Welcome to the Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Your host, Sue Meyer, is a Catholic wife and homeschool mom of 11. She shares her knowledge of the study of natural alternative medicine with you. While this show is not intended to diagnose or name any disease, through her experience, Sue will share helpful information to help you further your study into the amazing world of homeopathy. And now, here's your host, Sue Meyer. Hello, and welcome to Homeopathy for Mommies. This is Sue Meyer. Today we're going to talk about bedwetting in children, not adults. <laughs> um, I imagine that happens too. Uh, in our extreme old age or after an accident or things like that, but we're not going to talk about that today. We're actually going to talk about little children, and I have had a couple requests for this subject. Now, I don't have a lot of experience with the bedwetting issues, but I will tell you what I do know, and there are a few remedies that you can safely try for your children, and I always like to give these at the 30C because... A C potency is high enough to affect the mind and low enough to affect the body in an efficient way. So like the 30C is, is really a good potency to, to try using when you're dealing with a bedwetting issue. And at the 30C, you're not going to disrupt any, uh, I know a lot of homeopaths will say don't mess up the system well, before we get to take the case or whatever, but at a 30C, you're not going to, you're not going to be messing things up so to speak okay so like I said if I would go ahead and definitely try a few of the more common remedies for the type of situation that your child is experiencing and then you know like I said then you go ahead and feel free to contact a homeopath always keep good records so your homeopath will know which remedies you've already tried and what didn't work or what maybe had a little bit of effect but then it didn't hold because sometimes You'll see that when you're trying homeopathic remedies. You'll say, oh, I think I hit the right remedy. And it'll work for weeks, maybe even months, and all of a sudden it just doesn't work anymore. And so in homeopathy, we know what to look for in that situation. We know that we're either in the right family of remedies or at least in the right miasm. And we've never really talked about miasms much on this show, but the homeopath will know what they're looking for. Sometimes it's as simple as just altering or changing slightly the potency. And so there's just like a whole lot of things going on that your homeopath will learn, will know how to recognize. But as the mommy or the caregiver, you have a child who wets. And most often it's quite regular, usually the same time of night or after a particular food or after a particular event or whatever. And as the parent, you know their pattern. And so... You can look at the remedies in, in that way when you're looking to find that correct remedy. So with all of that said, I just want to tell a little story about a child who once upon a time, this is actually quite a few years ago, I don't even, I'm not even aware of what they give allopathically now for children who wet the bed, but years ago there was a, a mother who had a child who wet, and, and it happened to be a boy. Anyway, and the doctor said, we'll try waking him up at night um, take him to the bathroom, so on and so forth. So it didn't, it didn't seem to have any effect. They'd take the child; he was so sleepy. They, but they would get him sitting on the toilet. Sometimes he would be able to go. Sometimes he wouldn't. And so 
the mom takes the child back to the doctor and says, listen, you know, these are large amounts. The child is um, very sleepy. Even if he goes, he's still going to wet before morning again. Usually it happens around that midnight hour. So anyway, the doctor says, well, we'll just go ahead and we'll put him in this little prescription. So the mother said, oh, okay, cool. We can fix it with drugs. Wow. So she allows the child to be put on a daily pill. Well, after two years, the doctor says, well, and and it only helped for, I think she said, the child quit wetting like three nights a week. So still, four nights a week, the child is wetting. So they lived with this for two years and had four wet nights a week. Anyway, she happens to take the child back for a, a checkup, and the doctor says, well, we better, oh, he's still on that medication. That's right. We better get it, get him off of that and give him a two-month break or so. And the mom's like, well, why? And the doctor explains, well, we just don't like to leave him on drugs too long. They took the child off this little pill that they had been giving him for two years, mind you, and she said the kid, a totally different child, was no longer lethargic or down the middle of the road. He was bouncing all over the place, laughing, joyous, crying. She says up and down like a normal, normal child. And so when it came time to put the child back on the drugs, the dad said, forget it. Anything that altered his behavior like that for two whole years, forget it. We'll live with it. And as it turns out, they did live with it because they didn't know about homeopathy. But that's the only course of action they have is to put the children on drugs. Try to keep them out of a super deep sleep so that they don't go ahead and wet like, you know, they would most of the time. So with that, I I love, that's why I love homeopathy, because you can always find the right remedy to help that child stop bedwetting. Now, whether it's a constitutional issue, whether it's something they were born with, and they have just have that simple predisposition, that tendency, or whether it's something that they've, like I said, maybe they have a slight uh, sensitivity to a particular food or drink, or whether there's something actually happened in their life that's got them upset that they they have accidents. Usually, it's just a matter of hitting the right remedy, and then the right remedy will help them with that. So with with that being said, I like I said, it's not going to be a super long <laughs> um, show this afternoon because... I, I don't. I can't give you a whole lot of information about each remedy or each situation. There's over 200 remedies listed for bedwetting in children that I can come up with, and so, like I said, I we can't talk about each and every one. But when you start cross-referencing, there's a few that really are good to try. One of the first things to try is, it, especially if it's only infrequently. You know, if they're not wetting every single night, if they just once in a while, it belladonna. Because belladonna, again, is the great viral interrupter. And sometimes they could have been exposed to something that their body's trying to, um, you know, fight off or just isn't quite, hasn't quite been able to kick it. And so belladonna is just a really good place to start. And again, 30C is an excellent potency. One of the most common remedies for bladder is benzoic acid. But if that's the right remedy, there's always going to be that pungent, strong odor to the urine. Um, it's not going to be light and airy. It's, it's going to be that, that heavy, pungent odor. And many, many times, small children, especially after potty training, because of the stress of potty training, they, they will try to hold their urine, they will suppress it, and they can actually end up with a situation that the, the, odor, the odor becomes very, very strong and 
benzoic acid will help to straighten that out right away. I'm just going to kind of go through some of these remedies here that are, are some of the more common remedies to try for bedwetting. And I say that because, well, they're, they're just they're very good remedies and they're very going to help to balance that system very well. Cena. We talked about Cena, I think, in our last show for parasites. Very, very often a child will actually have to relieve their bladder because of irritation. And remember we talked about parasites only coming out at night. Um, Many of them can actually have aggravation throughout the day, but many parasites will come out at night. And so that's when the child will have that irritation. And so that's a really good place to start is to look at the fact that, gee, you know what, let's go ahead and give that Cena. And if, you know, a Cena can also be given in a 200, but you can give the Cena, you can try the diatomaceous earth, which is very easy to get a hold of in your natural food stores. You want food grade diatomaceous earth, one teaspoon a day for children. I like to give it for four weeks because you want to give it for that full cycle, parasitic cycle, because you can kill off the adults, but until you can get affect the eggs and anything new hatch, I like to give it for the full four weeks. Anyway, so you can try that along with the Cena, and very often that'll just simply take care of the problem. Califos, again, Califos is the great nervous system remedy, so it's very efficient with many children. If they happen to be a little bit high strung, or if something's been bothering them, or, and of course, you know, kind of what comes first, the chicken or the egg type of thing. They start wet in the bed, their nervous system goes out of whack. They, because they're embarrassed. You know, don't ever tell their friends that they wet the bed. They just want, you know, it just... It's so hard on them. And so Califos can be very, very efficient in helping to calm that nervous system so that they can relax and they can get a good night's sleep without the bladder embarrassing them. <laughs> Chrysotum. Now, Chrysotum is pure carbon. It's one of the, it's, it's a great remedy. It's, it's a huge remedy, especially in children, especially in children that have decaying teeth, uh, the bladder can be also be very affected. It's a it's a very it's a very strongly indicated remedy in, when it comes to bedwetting. Phosphoric acid. Remember, we've talked about the fact that acids, any acid is a sign of exhaustion. So, in an exhaustive state, you know many acid remedies will come up, and so phosphoric acid is a really good place to start, especially if the children care deeply about what others think of them, about their friends. Phosphoric acid is a is a very efficient remedy. Serenum. Now, serenum is actually one of the original three miasms that Hahnemann talked about and wrote about extensively. It's the, the great itch, the skin issues. So if the child who's having an issue with the bedwetting actually has skin issues as well, serenum might be a really good place to start. And I'm never afraid of giving a 30C because, like I said, it's not going to disrupt the ground, you know, the groundwork for case taking. Like I said, I would only give that if there are skin issues like eczema or psoriasis, things like that. Tendency to break out, itching, serenum can be a really good place to start. Very often in that situation, you'll sulfur. Sulfur is also listed here, but sulfur and serenum really complement each other with skin issues. And if the bedwetting happens to come into play, you start cleaning one thing up, and it's amazing how other things just simply disappear. Roostox. Roostox is um, poison ivy. And Roostox is so good for everything. It's like the more you get moving, the better you feel. That's a Roostox moment. 
but in children these are children who tend to be a little bit you know they always want to be on the edge of the room where they like to watch what's going on they don't want to go hide they want to watch what's going on and they like their people they will answer their people but they're not going to jump into the conversation they're not going to say hey what about me look at me everybody no that's not a roost talks child but they're always there they're, you know, very tried and true. They're always going to be helpful. If you have that type of child and they're having trouble bedwetting, try that Roostox and see how well it works for them. One of my favorites is sepia. Uh, I've had so much luck with sepia when it comes to bedwetting that um, it's just, it's not the first remedy I give, but it's usually the second or third, depending on the child. And now a sepia child will very often appear like a roostox child except it's you know where roostox is the plant family sepia is actually the animal family kingdom and so there's a little bit of a difference there in disposition but sepia is very often very helpful silica silica is very helpful as well to help strengthen that the tissue the the bladder tissue and the silica child always cares what others think of them much like the phosphorus thuya is one of the rem- main remedies listed for bedwetting as well. And Thuya, again, we've talked about immunizations, the dread diseases that immunizations will allow the body to mimic because it can't suppress them. And so like if you, your nat- natural weakness is respiratory, for instance, then when they have that diphtheria immunization, that's the type of situation that the body can't recover from very well. And so you'll have all those types of illnesses that tend to come on. And so often when the body is trying to suppress one thing, it can't take care of another. So you're suppressing immunizations and guess what? The bladder has to suffer or something else will have to suffer. But if the child has been immunized, I would not hesitate to give thuya whatsoever. I like to give the thuya net self. Remember we talked about the immunizations? I like to give them alternating. It's an extremely efficient duo to get rid of the harmful effects of immunizations. And so, like I said, if your child has been immunized, I, I wouldn't even hesitate to give the thuyonet self. And oddly enough, when it comes to children, one of the things that was listed is um, thyroidium. And, you know, we look at today's world compared to, golly gee, when I was young. And there was such a thing as Down syndrome back how long ago. And... We read about children like this. I, we even had a distant relative um, that had adopted a Down syndrome child after his parents had been deceased because they were older. And back then, only older women tended to have Down syndrome children. Well, nowadays we know that there's, you know, there's that link between hypothyroidism and Down syndrome. And so look what's happening in our world with all these Down syndrome children being born. It's sad. It's very sad that we have the situation when it's something that could be so easily remedied. I love Down syndrome children. I, when I was growing up, one of my best friends was Down syndrome. Ran the same. We used to run horse shows, and his dad actually happened to run one of the horse shows that we we ran. And I always look so forward to seeing him. You know, just wonderful, wonderful child. So I had to laugh when when I seen that this you know this remedy was up you know, for the thyroidium, I, that, you know what, maybe it's actually in epidemic proportions if a child needs to look at have um, the thyroid 
So if you suspect that for your child, I would definitely find a good homeopath that can prove or disprove that your child tends to need that thyroidium. And with thyroid, remember, you know, you're going to see other symptoms because the poor thyroid, he gets, he gets the blame for everything. The thyroid is in the middle of all the other hormone producing organ systems. <laughs> systems. So like I say, the thyroid tends to get the blame. But if you can get that thyroid on the right track, everything else can fall back into track too. Because remember how the endocrine system, even in children, the entire endocrine system, each banks on the other organs. If one is out of sync, everything is easily out of sync. So if you suspect thyroid for your child, find a good homeopath. And and I have people email and say, Sue, who do you recommend uh, in my area? And honestly, I went to seminar with... Uh, many, many, many different doctors from all over the country, all over the world. And I do have a handful of doctors that I would recommend. Most of them are super busy that you can't get into. But I do have one in particular that I would happily recommend. Otherwise, I do help with simple chronic problems. And if I can't help, then I refer them on to the, my, the doctor that I work with. But I'm happy to help if I can. And so don't hesitate to email. And that... Email address would be homeopathyformommies.com. And I think that takes you right over to the outpostmercantile.com. So, and then, then there's email on there. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but uh, I know everyone, I don't think they have a problem getting a hold of me anyway. There are some specific times of day that if your child, if you know what time of night your child tends to have the wedding problems, then there's a couple of remedies that are listed for these different times of nights, like before midnight. So if your child has trouble before midnight, Bryonia or Pulsatella are two remedies that might be a really good fit. Bryonia is wild hops and Pulsatella is, you know, the whinier, the quieter. Bryonia children are usually quite outgoing, bubbly, and so always look at that personality. Always look at, you know, the sensation. What are they telling you? And again, full moon, the serenum is listed for the full moon child who only wets at that time. With boys, Roostox is definitely one of the top remedies for boys. And Pulsatilla is for girls. If the child tends to wet in very large quantities, phosphoric acid is something to definitely look at. And we talked about phosphoric acid. That's a sign of exhaustion. In the first sleep, benzoic acid. Causticum, cena, chrysodum, phosphoric acid, sepia, and silica tend to all come into play. Those are very strong remedies to, to try. As far as, like I said, sensitivities, withhold certain foods to see if that what might be is causing them to have that sensitivity at night. And also sweets. You know, watch the sweets because I think we tend to give our children too many sweets. I know for thyroid and other situations, we like to give like a glass of warm milk. And warm milk Again, if it's raw milk, don't heat it over 130 because you'll kill the natural enzymes. But you can heat just a small, half a cup even, of warm milk and give that to your child. If they don't have a sensitivity, a lactose lactose intolerance, then the warm milk can actually help them to relax, nourish the system, help keep them from having nightmares, help keep them from getting up in the middle of the night, and they can just calmly sleep. But you want it to be raw if at all possible because then it is what we call a perfect food. And, you know, let me clarify something real quick because I even had a man come into the store the other day and he was 
probably my age, so I don't know, mid-50s. And we were talking about foods. And he asked me if I knew where he could get raw milk. And I said, you know, any organic farmer would be happy to, you know, sell you raw milk, but you have to take the container to the farm and you have to know their milk pickup dates and things like that. And most farmers are very happy to work that out with you. And so long as you're there before the milk truck comes and so on and so forth. Now, let me clarify. I remember once upon a time, there was a situation where a little girl had gotten uh, a plugged lymph gland. They originally, it was, it was a tubercular situation. And I, I don't know if we, how much we've actually talked about tuberculosis on these shows, but it was a tubercular lymph swelling. And the thing about tuberculosis is it grows very, very quickly. And once it sets up house, it just, it goes to town and it likes to eat. And what happens is once that bacteria sets in, it'll eat all the healthy tissue around it and causing what they call a cheesy necrosis. And like you have a big boil on your back, it keeps growing, 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 growing. And then, you know, remember watching Dr. Quinn and she had to go lance a boil <laughs> and then it would ooze this cheesy white stuff. Anyway, the point is that's bacteria that comes from the tuberculosis family. Works. There's like several, several types of tuberculosis, but they all are in the same family. So anyway, this child who had this tubercular growth in her neck, the doctors tried to blame it on the raw milk that she was drinking. And I assured the mother that there was there was absolutely no fact in that. It's been written about extensively that when they started pasteurizing our milk because of the spread of tuberculosis, and that was an absolute fact that yes, tuberculosis was spreading like wildfire across this country due to the fact that the milk was contaminated, but not from the cow. Okay, this is very important that you understand this. The milk was contaminated because back then they had what they called milkmaids. There was no such thing as automatic milkers. You didn't just have the bucket or the pipeline to, to milk the you know, to carry the milk to the safely to the bulk tank and dump in. But they had milkmaids with buckets and these milkmaids had the tuberculosis. So as she I don't know if you've ever milked a cow, but I've milked a cow for years by hand, and as that milkmaid would bend over the cow, over the, you know, because she would have to rest. Usually, they just rested their heads on the cow's the withers area because it took a long time to milk a cow. It can take anywhere from three to you know ten, fifteen minutes to milk a cow. So she's milking. Now, mind you, both hands are busy because it's an alternating fashion as you're milking this cow, and the nose would begin to drip. And as the nose dripped, she always tried to hold her head aside. But guess what? It wasn't always efficient, and we actually had nasal secretions that fell into the bucket, therefore contaminating the entire bucket. Then it would go to market in milk cans, and it didn't always get chilled properly right away. So you did. You had tuberculosis being spread literally like wildfire across the country. So they started pasteurizing the milk at that point to kill that bacteria. Now, people get so grossed out because, ah, you know, you have the, the manure and what if they didn't get that cow washed and dried perfect and the milk, you know, the milkers go on the cows and so on and so forth. Well, as a farmer, I know the cows are washed and dried and they're cleaned just so, just like a mama cleans herself before her she nurses her baby. And small farmers especially take great pride in washing and cleaning their cows before they put the milker on. Yes, once in a while, something doesn't get cleaned properly and it might get sucked into that milker tube. It's 
like manure, okay? But guess what? That's the kind of bacteria that you're out playing in the dirt, okay? And if that happened to get in there and you're, you know, you're drinking it, it's not the type of bacteria that's growing and causing disease. It's the kind of bacteria that, yep, your kids just chewed their fingernails and stuff like that, you know what I mean? And it's not, it's not viral and it's not the the rotten meat type of bacteria. It's not the type of bacteria that is going to cause deadly illness. It's the type of bacteria that actually, oddly enough, sounds horrible, but will strengthen the immune system. So one thing I have never, ever been afraid of is getting raw milk and drinking raw milk because you would smell it (laughs) if it was so bad it was going to hurt you. (laughs) Okay. And I probably just said more than I should because it's a radio show that's going out everywhere. But you know what? People need to hear the truth. They, they just do. And that is the truth. That's the absolute truth. I remember I had this old lady friend of mine. I used to pick her up and she would go and teach class with me. And I just loved her. I, I kept her around purely for entertainment, okay? I just loved being around her. Anyway, and she would teach me all sorts of little sayings that she grew up with. And one day I was laughing at her because I thought, oh my gosh, she's so right. And one of the things she said to me, she goes, do you ever notice how sick people are all, all the time now? And I says, I know, I don't know what's going on. She goes, you know, when I was little, we went down, we'd go down to the neighbor's house, she said, and you walk in that house and all along every shelf, of course, they didn't have cupboards back then, or, you know, they had shelves instead of like cupboard doors. And she says, and there were mice droppings everywhere in that house. It didn't matter where you went. And she says, and those kids, dang it, were never sick. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. Of course, they didn't have instant food. It wasn't like the mice were in their food or anything. But yeah, they were touching their dishes. And <laughs> Oh, shoot. We've become germaphobic in this world of ours. But besides all that, I just want to say I don't hesitate to give my children a cup of raw milk that's been slightly warmed or just chilled in the refrigerator because nowadays we have such excellent means of transporting the milk from that cow to the nice cool bulk tank. It gets cooled instantly. It gets transported very carefully to the milk plant. And so I I like the organic, I have to admit. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) People say, you can't taste the difference in milk. Well, you can if it's from the bulk tank. It's just as sweet as can be if the farmer is conscientious. And like I said, small dairy farmers are very conscientious and they love their cows. Their cows are their babies and they take such good care of them and they have nice fresh straw to lie in and they take good care of them. They feed them well and especially if they're organic, you're getting such good nutrients from that cow's milk. So anyway, um, I guess we'll quit talking about the milk for now. (laughs) Don't hesitate to use the homeopathic remedies to try to help your child get over their bedwetting issues. And if you know there's a trauma in the background too, that's something to kind of consider too. You know, was it something, were they terribly afraid or did they feel left out or something like that? And you can look at that situation and sometimes that's just enough to say, oh, I know the remedy. (laughs) Okay. And a lot of times, I don't talk about the chronic in homeopathy for mommies, but like I say, we do talk about the aconite, the arnica, different shock or upset you know, different situations where they could have become upset, which remedy maybe would would help them with that. Staphysagree is a good one to look at if they feel like they were hurt or used 
maybe, or that somebody overlooked them for something else and it's a, it's a form of embarrassment, or maybe they had surgery and they haven't been the same since surgery. You know, go ahead and try the Arnic or the Staphysagria. But when you look at the child and what's really going on, ask them, sweetie, how do you feel about this? You know, oh, I don't know. They say that? Okay, obviously, maybe it's just something organic. If they say, I don't know, I'm so embarrassed, then look at something that's, that goes more towards the embarrassing situation. So with that, I'm going to let you go and just know for sure that bedwetting is a very, it can be remedied almost I've never seen it not be able to be remedied with a homeopathic remedy. You just got to hit the right one. Like cures like. So with that, I'll let you go. Thank you so much for joining me, and may God bless you and yours. Thanks for listening to this episode of Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Please visit Sue on her website, homeopathyformommies.com, and join us right here at homeopathyformommiesradio.com. Wednesday, noon Eastern. As always, we pray the Lord blesses you with good health, vitality, strength, and wisdom.